Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. I hope everybody is starting off the day at least happy and dry. It may not be dry for long, but it's good to see everybody here. It's good to have some visitors. We appreciate you being here. We are here to worship God and to look for ways to be closer to Him by the end of the day than maybe we started out at the beginning of the day. We all have this knowledge and this in our minds of Thanksgiving coming up. I mean, after all, there's turkey and dressing 10 feet behind Robbie. And so that's certainly in our minds right here and now. There may be things we're all thankful for, people in our lives or circumstances or maybe even some things that we're thankful for. But I want us to spend just a few moments today looking at the reason for Thanksgiving. And by the way, the reason not to hand out cheat is I want us to look at it as we go through it. Uh, I've been told sometimes that Gene, I know the end of the movie before you ever start speaking, when the handout is given as you walk in the door, because what do we do? We can look ahead, read ahead, and see kind of a punchline or something. This morning, I wanted us to go through it together, and then before the contribution, we'll hand out the page so you can take it home if you want to look at it again. So the reason for Thanksgiving, from one of my favorite passages, Colossians chapter 2, starts off, therefore, Remember, when you see the word therefore, it means that what is about to be said is because of something previously said. You say something and then you say, for this reason, that's another way to translate therefore. Therefore, because of what has just been said. So what was it that was previously said that we're going to be coming to conclusions about with consequences or things that need to happen because of what Paul had just said in Colossians chapter 2. Well, if you look back in verse 4, just a little bit back in chapter 2, Paul said, I say this so that no one can fool you by arguments that seem good, but are false. Today we would call that disinformation or misinformation. You know, that's the trendy term no matter what you're talking about because it seems like we can either be captured by or fooled by arguments and things that people put forth that seem good, but are false. Well, if I get fooled by something that's out there, okay, maybe I'm embarrassed because I fell for something in an email or I heard something, big deal. To an extent, big deal. But when we're talking about the Bible, when we're talking about following God, it's really important to make sure that we don't get fooled by arguments that seem good that are false. So how do you avoid getting fooled? What's the foolproof measures that we can take? What does Paul suggest with his therefore comment? So he wants to make sure that we are not lured away from Jesus by fancy words, Things that seem right, but are not. So how do we avoid that? Look at what he says. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, received. Paul is writing to people who have received Jesus. Received Jesus. Well, when and how did that happen? They have received Jesus. Is he talking to me? Based on what the Bible says, am I someone who has received Jesus? Well, look at what the Bible says about when people had received Jesus. First of all, I would 
take us to Acts 17 11. We talked about this in the class we did over the summer about following Paul through Greece. When he got to Berea up in northern Greece after having left Thessalonica, Paul, in speaking to them, said that these Jewish people in Berea received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. These words that they were being told by Paul and others, were they true? Were they in accordance with what God had said? So one good way to avoid being led astray or to be fooled by arguments that sound good but in fact are false is to compare things that we hear, things that we read, to what we've already been told by God in the Bible. The people in Maria didn't just listen and wow, that sounds good. I'm going to believe that. They took what they were told and they compared it to what God had said. So please, please, never take anything that I will tell you or say to you as truth without looking it up for yourself. Be like the people in Berea. Who knows? I could have been fooled by fancy words. I hope not, but don't ever trust anything without checking on it. Also, look back to Acts chapter 2, earlier in the book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, Peter and the other apostles had actually spoken the word of Jesus, told them that this same Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. And those who received his word, notice again that focus on receiving the word. Those who received the word, the word went into them, changed who they were, were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls, 3,000 people. So when we receive Christ Jesus the Lord here in Colossians chapter 2, it has to tie into hearing the word about Jesus, incorporating it into our lives. And I will strongly tell you the Bible says that really truly happens when we are immersed in water and die to ourselves the old way we used to be and are raised to walk in newness of life. You really are not receiving Christ Jesus, the Lord, as your Lord without having been buried in the waters of baptism. So one thing he's saying is because you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, I certainly don't want you to be fooled by arguments that sound good, but in fact are false or wrong. Because you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, will you avoid that? is to make sure you have him as your Lord, as your Lord. The word for Lord, they have received Christ Jesus as Lord, is curious, curious. And to apply it to Jesus meant that he is unique. It's applied to God, and Paul applies it, and the New Testament applies it to Jesus. You have received him as your Lord and Master, and you are willing to live as a slave to God, as a slave of Jesus. Paul uses the word for a slave to Jesus many times in his opening statements as he's writing to churches. And sometimes our translations don't do a good job of rendering that into English. You'll see the word servant. You'll see the word bond servant. No one uses that today. But the word really and truly meant slave. If you were the Lord and somebody was your quote marks here, servant, no, no, no. If somebody is your Lord and Master, what we're really talking about here is being the slave to that individual. 
And so if Christ Jesus is the Lord, if he is my Lord, I have to be a slave to Jesus. He is my master. He rules and determines everything I do. At least should determine everything I do. As I say, this is the word that often refers to God in the Old Testament. Jesus is our Lord every bit as much as the Father is. And if he is our Lord, what does Paul say we need to do? As therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The word for walk is peripateo, and I have practiced how to say that. Peripateo, which means to walk about. It's the whole idea of as you walk around during your day. If you were to leave here at Lansley Avenue, as, as Gina and I have done, and go walking around the block a few times or different places, he's talking about as you go through your life, and that's what it means. I don't know what you will be doing tomorrow, but if I were going to work tomorrow, I'll be if I was going to work tomorrow, as I go to work, as I maybe drop in a gas station and get coffee or whatever it may be, the people I run into, as I live my life, I need to have him as my Lord. I need to realize my life is not my own. My life belongs to him. So it's very, very important. Once we receive Jesus as our Lord, he must be our Lord as we live day by day. Whatever we're doing, Monday morning, Tuesday evening, we must be doing this with Jesus walking beside us. So my first question for you this morning is, is he? Is Jesus walking beside me with what I do Monday morning, Tuesday evening? Is he walking beside you? Only you can answer that. We are to walk in Him. We are to walk in the light as He is in the light. I know that's over in First John and it's out of the passage here in Colossians. But walking means to walk as Jesus would have walked. And He walked with the light of truth, God's light around Him all the time. I need to walk in the light and not walk in darkness. Certainly. Another passage from the book of Amos, a great book that we don't read or study nearly often enough. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? I mean, no. If somebody's having an argument, they're not going to be just strolling side by side. Well, think about it from the perspective here of walking with Jesus. Can I be walking with Jesus if we're not agreed? If my priorities, if my goals, if my aims each day are not mixed properly with what Jesus would want me to do? I'm fooling myself if I think I can be living for myself and yet I'm still walking with Jesus. It don't work. I know the proper is it doesn't work. But it just don't work. If I am not walking in the light as Jesus is in the light, as God is in the light, if my life is not headed in the same direction, that Jesus is walking, I am not walking in him. So is my life, as I walk through my life, going in the same direction that Jesus would have to go? Am I following Jesus? Am I walking with Jesus? Or am I headed in my own direction? Sometimes we used to have this. This was popular a long time ago. Some people used to have the little wristbands. They would say, what would Jesus do? 
That's not a bad thing to have if you can think about it before you do or choose something, but perhaps more important in this context is not so much what would Jesus do, but what did he do? When he found a barrier set up between two people, he kicked it over. He was here to reconcile people to each other, men to women, Jew, Samaritan, Jew, Gentile, all across his lifetime. The most important barrier he knocked over, destroyed forever, was that barrier we had set up ourselves between humanity and God. So as I go through my life, I should never let some sort of barrier or wall or disagreement remain beneath these things. We are to walk in Him and be rooted and built up in Him. Rooted in Him. This word for root is used for a tree with deep roots in the soil. Now, I, I, I've planted twigs before. I'll call them twigs. More like a little branch. Stick it in the ground and not only can it be blown over, if I even got close to it with the lawnmower or something, why? Because it didn't have roots that kept it there. The only way you can survive a storm is to have roots that go down good ways. That's what we're talking about here. When it says to be rooted in Jesus means to have your foundation really sunk deep into Jesus, into who he is and what he did. So that when the storms of, of life come, as I walk around through my life, I can keep going the same path that he is. When we think about the parable of the soils, sometimes it's called the parable of the sower. The seed is spread everywhere, and one of the groups of seed landed where the soil was real thin. Remember that part of it? The, the seed landed where the soil was real thin, and sure enough, it sprung up. Woohoo! I'm in the soil! Grow, 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 but then the heat comes. And because it didn't have a lot of roots, very deep roots, it just wouldn't. That needs to be something we make sure doesn't happen to us. If we don't sink our roots into Jesus, into who he wants me to be, then when the heat of the day comes, as I'm walking through my life, trying to be walking with him, I'm going to wilt just like the seed did in the parable of the soils. It also says to be built up in him, to be built up in him. The word for built up was used for a house put on a good foundation, a solid foundation. Uh, I, I like to think of the song I learned as a kid. I suspect we all know it. You know, the wise man built this house square on the rock. In fact, I'm going to be a little bit uh, scandalous here. I'm actually going to ask us to sing it. Do you remember the song? Does it start out with the wise man or the foolish man? It's the wise man, right? All right, so help me out here. Why the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. Oh, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the wise man's house stood firm. What? The foolish man built his house upon the sand. 
The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rains came tumbling down. Oh, the rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up, and the foolish man's house went splat, I think was the word I used to use. In that song, the rains came on most people, didn't they? As we're walking through our lives, the rains are going to come. It'll be raining here in an hour. The rains are going to come as we go through our lives. Whether we survive the rains and the floods that life's going to bring on us depends on what? Am I rooted and built up in Jesus? As I walk through my life, Am I walking with Jesus? Am I solid on a base of Jesus? Do I have my foundation laid firmly on Jesus? Or is it over here on the sand? Is it over here on what I want to do? Is it over here on something else? Money? Whatever it may be. There's all pleasure, all sorts of things people build their foundation on. Everything but a foundation on Jesus is going to go splat. Where's my house built? When you think about things that are built up, Jude 20, 21 says, But dear friends, use your most holy faith to build yourselves up. Use your faith to build yourself up. But how? How can I build myself up with my belief, my faith in who Jesus is and who he wants me to be? Look what Jude says next. By praying in the Holy Spirit. We stay close to Jesus by prayer. We stay close to Jesus in our walk by being close to Him and telling Him what we're feeling, things that are going well, things that are not going well, because that's how you build togetherness. You've got to talk. And that leads to, as Jude says here, us keeping ourselves in God's love as we wait for the Lord Jesus Christ with his mercy to give you life forever. I hope that describes every single one of us here. As we are walking in our lives day by day, it should be to be waiting for the appearance of Jesus who we've been walking with, doing our best to walk with him so that he can give us life that lasts forever. We need to be rooted and built up in him and established in our faith. That's what Jude was just saying. As we have been taught, we must hold on to what we have learned, what we have learned about Jesus, what we have learned about God and how he wants each of us to live our lives. It requires teaching and preaching. Now you can teach yourself by reading what God has said to us. Remember, that's, that's what we need to be looking at. What have we been told? But the only way to be established, to really be set on a good foundation, is to be very familiar with what God wants of me. Otherwise, we've built our lives on the sand. Right? What have we been focusing on? What was our New Year's resolution nearly 11 months ago? Remember? I suggested two things to focus on 
everything we did every day as we walked with Jesus. The resolutions I have suggested for us were to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. I really, really believe that a focus on those two things, which are so complicated and yet so simple, are how we are going to be established in our faith. How we are going to be walking with Jesus. How we are going to be making a difference in not only our lives, but the lives of our neighbors that we meet as we walk through the day. Hebrews 13.9 said, Do not be carried about with different and strange doctrines, for it is good for the heart to be established with grace. Can't be focusing on everything somebody happens to float around. I mean, I promise you, even in a town as relatively small as Nashville, somebody came up with a wild, harebrained idea yesterday. Some people will be saying some fairly wild and harebrained ideas in gatherings of church services today. Bound to happen. I don't want to be chasing the squirrel when it comes to religious ideas and ideas about God. Paul is very, very, very concentrated here on as we have received Jesus, we need to be rooted and built up in him and established in our faith. Don't chase the squirrel. Don't chase the squirrel. And I, here we go. As you read the verse now with the part I left off on purpose from the slide showing the reading that Thurl gave us earlier, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. The reason for thanksgiving is what God has done for us. It really isn't that the harvest is in, as it may have been in the past. It isn't that there's some fabulous fudge pie through those doors over there. It isn't that there's turkey and dressing or any of this other kind of stuff. The reason for Thanksgiving is what God has done for us and the change he has made in us and the change we need to make in other people. Our one concern as followers of Jesus needs to be to tell in words and to show in our life our gratitude for all that God has done. Well, when we look at when and how we got that wonderful gift of thanksgiving, thanks be to God, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, who gives us the victory from our, with our, through our Lord Jesus Christ. How did we get this victory? How did we get into this faith? How did we become the kind of people God wants us to be? We've said it earlier, but let's say it one more time. If you look just a little later in Colossians 2, down in verse 12, a few verses later. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, when? When did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Colossians 2 here says it down in verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you who were dead... Notice, you who were dead, that has been each and every one of us. God has made a life together with him. We can't walk with Jesus if we're actually dead, spiritually in the ground somewhere. We can't.
doing? Are you still dead in your trespasses and sins? You don't have to be. God can give you the only true life that there is. Jesus died and paid the price for our sins. Come home to him today. Please, please think about that. Or if there's something we can help you with with prayer, if you need to get back to walking by the side of Jesus, start your day off right the rest of the day and tomorrow and this week, please come now as we stand and sing.